We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the third and last piece in Hilchus Shemit of Yovel, Perak Yud Beis Halacha Tes Zayin. And Rab Chaim is revisiting an issue that he discussed in the first piece in Hilchus Trumos, which is the difference between two requirements for Eretz Yisrael to become sanctified. One is Bias Kulchem, that a majority of the Jews have to conquer it from the beginning. And the second is Kol Yoshveha Aleha, that a majority of the Jews have to currently be living in Eretz Yisrael. So even though they seem similar, Rab Chaim is going to find some key differences between these two categories of Halacha. The Rambam is discussing what's going to happen in the days of Mashiach when we conquer Eretz Yisrael for the third time after Yehoshua and Ezra's two conquerings. And he says, At the third conquering of Eretz Yisrael, the Rambam says we're going to begin counting the Shemitah and the Yovel cycle, and we're going to sanctify the walled cities. And wherever they capture is going to be obligated in Meiser. So basically the Rambam is saying that at the third conquering, they're going to need to re-sanctify everything because it lost its Kedusha in the intervening years of exile. So the Ravid questions this and he says, Hadalok Rabiosi, this goes against Rabiosi because he holds Kedusha Shnia Kidshala Shaitav Kidshala Asid Lavo. That the second conquering and sanctification by Ezra was for all time. It was eternal. So there is no need to sanctify the land again during the third conquering. It retained its Kedusha from the time of the second conquering. So that's the Ravid's question on the Rambam. The Ravid agrees that areas they conquer in the future, which were not conquered by Ezra, are going to require sanctification. So there is sanctification going on in the times of Mashiach, but not on the areas that Ezra already captured. Whereas the Rambam made no distinction, he seemed to imply that all walled cities are going to be sanctified even if Ezra had captured them. So the Ravid's question is, why does the Rambam contradict the halacha that the sanctification in Ezra's time was forever? So Reb Chaim says on a technical level, one could just say that the Rambam means to say new areas which were not conquered by Ezra need to be sanctified. So in that case, the Ravid's not disagreeing with the Rambam, he's just interpreting. And sometimes a comment of the Ravid doesn't disagree, but it explains further what the Rambam means. But on the other hand, the Rambam's language does seem to imply that all walled cities, even those conquered by Ezra, need to be sanctified in the future. So Reb Chaim suggests a conceptual approach to explain the Rambam. So he has a few steps in order to build this approach. The first begins with the halacha, Ein bate noheg noheg. The halachas of walled cities only apply at times when Yovel applies. If there's no Yovel, then there's no special sanctity of the walled cities. Now the Gemara in Erechnan, Daflamid Bey, says that during the second Beis HaMikdash, so after Ezra conquered it, there was no Yovel because they didn't have a majority of the Jews come back. So that means during that whole period, if there was no Yovel, there was also no special sanctity of the walled cities. So the walled cities were never sanctified by Ezra. So that explains very nicely, according to the Rambam, why they need to be sanctified special in the third conquering, because they were never included in the sanctification of the second conquering. Even though Ezra's sanctification is forever, but it didn't include the walled cities because there was no Yovel during the second Beis HaMikdash period. 
So that explains, according to the Rambam, why walled cities have a special sanctification. But then this raises another issue, which is what does it mean to sanctify the walled cities on their own independently of the rest of Eretz Yisrael? So Rashi on Erchin Daflamid Beis says that the sanctification of the walled cities is with two Toda sacrifices, meaning there's a process for enlarging the city of Yerushalayim and sanctifying it, which includes these two sacrifices and the Sanhedrin and songs. So that's the same way to sanctify any walled city. So according to Rashi, this is very interesting, it means that there is a process of sanctifying any walled city which is independent of the sanctification of regular Eretz Yisrael. There's the regular sanctifying of the rest of Eretz Yisrael, and then the walled cities can have their own process. But the Rambam makes no mention of this separate process. So the Rambam seems to disagree that there's any independent process for sanctifying a walled city differently than it just being part of the overall sanctification of Eretz Yisrael. So the Rambam is going to hold that what it means to sanctify a walled city is that when they're conquering Eretz Yisrael and making it sanctified, any city which is walled at that time has certain special halachas. But there's nothing to be done special in order to sanctify a walled city as a walled city. It just means that as part of Eretz Yisrael, since it's also a walled city, the Torah gave it certain special halachas. And Rab Chaim adds that even Rashi, who seems to have a whole different view of this, is not that conceptually far from the Rambam, because he also agrees that even though a walled city needs to be sanctified on its own, but that's only within the larger context of being part of Eretz Yisrael. You can't just take a random city wherever it is and sanctify it as a walled Eretz Yisrael city. It has to be within the context of being part of the land of Israel, which was sanctified. So as part of that overall process, this city can be sanctified as a walled city. And the proof for that, says Rab Chaim, is that the Gemara in Erechen and Daflamid Beis says that the only thing which counts as a wall is something that was there from when they originally conquered the land. It can't be a modern wall that was built later. So that shows you that everything gets frozen in time at the moment when they capture the land. It's within that context that the walled city has to be sanctified. But it can't just be done totally independently. So both Rashi and the Rambam agree that the context for sanctifying a walled city always has to be within the overall larger context of sanctifying the land of Eretz Yisrael. So if so, Rab Chaim asks, how can they sanctify the walled cities in the third conquering when there is no new sanctification of the rest of the land? The land that was captured by Ezra was already sanctified for all time. So they don't need to re-sanctify that land. So in the third conquering, there is no sanctification of the land. It's only a sanctification of the walled cities, which won't work, certainly not according to the Rambam and not even according to Rashi because there is no overall process of sanctifying Eretz Yisrael land that the sanctification of the walled cities could be part of. So it doesn't seem possible to sanctify the walled cities in the third conquering, which is a major problem with the whole halacha and the Rambam, which talks explicitly about that. So Rab Chaim explains that it's not correct what he started off saying, that because there was no Yovel on the second base Hamikdash, there was no sanctity of the walled cities. Because the reason there was no Yovel during the second base Hamikdash was a technical one. 
they didn't have kol yosheveha aleha. They didn't have a majority of the Jews living there and the laws of Yovel don't apply unless there's a majority of the Jews. But that's a technical issue with the laws of Yovel. It was not missing in any way the sanctity of the land of Israel. The land was fully sanctified, including the walled cities. And the proof for this, says Rab Chaim, is because the Gemara in Erechen on Lamed Beis says that when the two and a half tribes on the other side of the Jordan were exiled, so they stopped keeping Yovel because some of the Jews were exiled. And then when they came back, so they started keeping Yovel again. So you see that there was no change in the status of Eretz Yisrael land because some of the Jews were in exile that they would have needed to re-sanctify it. The whole issue of having a majority of the Jews or missing a majority of the Jews is a technical issue in whether the laws of Yovel are going to apply during that Yovel. But it has nothing to do with the status of the land of Israel. So that's why if it fluctuates the population, and sometimes there are a majority of Jews, sometimes there are not, when there's a majority, they keep Yovel. And when there isn't, they don't keep Yovel. But they don't need to do anything with the land. So if that's the case, says Rab Chaim, in the future, when the Jews come back with Mashiach, there's no need to sanctify the land again. It's already been sanctified by Ezra. The issue right now is that it's missing a majority of the Jews living on there, but the same as in the times of the second Beis HaMikdash, when the majority returned, so the same thing in the times of Mashiach, when the majority of Jews returns, then immediately those laws will kick back in without any further sanctification of the land. So what that means is that there is no need to sanctify any land in the third Beis HaMikdash. It's already sanctified by Ezra. And as soon as a majority of the Jews returns, same as when it happened during the second Beis HaMikdash, the laws of Yovel will kick back in and the laws of the walled cities will kick back in. But there's no need to sanctify them. So now we're back to the Ravid's question on the Rambam. What does it mean that the Rambam holds that there's a sanctification of the walled cities in the third Beis HaMikdash when they're already sanctified from Ezra's time. So Rab Chaim explains this based on the Rambam in Hilchus Trumos, Parak Aleph, Halacha Chavvav, HaTruma B'zman Azev, Afilu B'mokum She'achziku Olei Bovel, Vafilu B'mei Ezra, Truma nowadays, even in places where Ezra conquered, and even during Ezra's times, Eina Min HaTorah, is not a Doraisa, Elam Midivrehem, it's only a Drabanan, She'ein Lecha Truma Shal Torah, Ela Beretz Yisrael Belvad, U'bizman Shekol Yisrael, Shalom Shnemar Kisavo, Ubiyas Kulchem. Truma Midoraisa only applies in Eretz Yisrael when a majority of the Jews live there. But since in Ezra's times they were missing a majority, so there was no Truma Midoraisa, it was only Midrabanan, and also in our days. So Rab Chaim begins his analysis with a technical question, which is the Rambam derives this halacha that you need a majority of the Jews in order for it to be chayev in Truma Midoraisa from the Pasuk of Kisavo. The Torah says, when you come. So it means when you all come. But that Pasuk is never said with regards to Truma. It's said with regards to Shemitah and Yovel. So the Rambam is taking a Pasuk out of context and applying it to Truma. So Rab Chaim says the explanation for this is based on Rashi and Ksubis Davchafeham and Aleph, where he connects Miser with the Shemitah cycle, because there are certain Misers which depend on which year of the Shemitah cycle we're in. So Miser Ani to the poor is given in year three and six, and Miser Shani, which goes to Yerushalayim, is in the other years. So Rashi says because of that, Miser is connected 
to the mitzvah of Shemitah, because we have to know what year we're in. So the Rambam has a similar approach, and based on that, he applies the Pasuk of Kisavo'u, when you come, which teaches that a majority of the Jews have to come. And in the Torah, it's talking about the laws of Yovel, but the Rambam also applies it to Truma and Meiser, because those mitzvahs are connected. So that's how the Rambam is arriving at this conclusion that Truma requires a majority of the Jews to be living there. But now, says Rab Chaim, it also goes the other way. Because the halacha we know of with regards to Yovel is that at this moment we need a majority of the Jews living there. The halacha, the way the Rambam formulates it with regards to Truma, is a little bit different. Kisavo'u, a majority of the Jews need to conquer it originally. So those are two different points on the timeline. One is a current question. This year, is there a majority of the Jews? And if yes, then Yovel will apply. And the second is a historical question. When they originally conquered Eretz Yisrael, was it with the majority of the Jews? Now, we know that the first halacha applies to Yovel. And since the Rambam formulates the second concept with regards to the laws of Truma, but based on a pasuk from the laws of Shemitah and Yovel, so Rab Chaim believes that we can derive from Truma back to Shemitah and Yovel, that it's not enough to have a majority of the Jews this year, but there also needs to be a majority of the Jews when they first conquered it. So now Rav Chaim offers support for this idea that there's really two halachas. One is whether currently there's a majority of the Jews, and that's based on the Gemara and Erech and Daflamid Beis that we mentioned, that if the population fluctuates, we only look at this year. We don't look at what happened last year or the cycle before that. If this year there's a majority of the Jews, then they're obligated in Yovel. So that shows us that it's a momentary current events question, whether there's a majority of the Jews or not. The second concept is that there needs to have historically been a majority of the Jews when they conquered it. And this is based on the Gemara in Ksubis and Davchav Hei, where it says that Chala nowadays is Drabanan because when Ezra came up, Lav Kuluhu Saluk, he didn't have a majority with him. So the Gemara's focus is on the fact that in Ezra's times, when he conquered the land, he was missing a majority. And it doesn't stress that nowadays, meaning currently in their times, they're missing a majority. And similarly, the Rambam also stresses that historical element. There has to be a majority like the first conquering with Yehoshua. And like there will be in the times of Mashiach, a majority. But not like in the times of Ezra, when there was only a minority of the Jews. That's why they weren't obligated in Truma Mida Oraisa. So the Rambam is again stressing that at the times of Ezra, they were missing a majority, and that's why it was not sanctified. So these sources show that there are two elements to this halacha. One is the current question of whether there's a majority of the Jews in Israel, and the second is whether it was conquered in the past by a majority of the Jews. Now, Reb Chaim says there's a key conceptual distinction between these two concepts. If it's an issue of whether currently there's a majority of the Jews, so that doesn't affect the sanctity or the status of Eretz Yisrael. It's just a technical issue as to whether the laws of Yovel apply, as Rab Chaim said before. But if it's the issue of whether it was conquered by a majority of the Jews, bias kulchem, so that is going to affect the very status of Eretz Yisrael. And if it was not conquered by a majority, then it's missing in the Kedusha, in the sanctity of Eretz Yisrael. 
So the reason if the land is conquered by a minority, there is no Truma and Meiser or Shmita and Yovel Mida Oraisa is because it's missing in the sanctity of Eretz Yisrael in order to obligate in those mitzvahs. It's not that the mitzvahs are technically exempt, but the land itself is missing the necessary Kedusha to obligate in those mitzvahs. Now, in the period of the second Beis HaMikdash, they were missing both elements. So not only was there currently no majority of Jews living there, so on a technical level, the laws of Yovel and Truma and Meiser wouldn't have kicked in, but in addition, it hadn't been captured by Ezra with the majority to begin with. So the sanctity of the land was also lacking. So they had both issues during the second Beis HaMikdash. So now this is going to explain why in the days of Mashiach there needs to be a new sanctification because not only was there a technical problem with the mitzvahs of Yovel and Truma during the times of the second Beis HaMikdash, there was an actual inherent lack of Kedusha in the land of Israel which needs to be corrected when Mashiach reconquers the land with the majority of the Jews. So now having established these two elements and the fact that there was a much more fundamental issue with the sanctification of Eretz Yisrael by Ezra, so returning to the Rambam, that explains how they're going to sanctify the Bate Arechoma, the walled cities in the times of Mashiach, even the areas which had been sanctified by Ezra. So the Ravid's question was, why do those areas need to be sanctified if the second sanctification is eternal? So Rab Chaim explains that yes, the Rambam agrees Ezra's sanctification is eternal, but both Ezra and Mashiach's sanctifications are needed together. They complement each other in order to achieve the full sanctification of the land because Ezra's sanctification was lacking in the full status with regards to Shemitah and Yovel and Truma and Meiser because he was missing a majority of the Jews when he initially went in there. So even though Ezra did accomplish a lot and with regards to many agricultural mitzvahs, he fully sanctified the land. But from the perspective of those four mitzvahs, there was something lacking in the status of the land. And that will eventually be fully completed by Mashiach bringing a majority of the Jews in there and correcting the lack of bias kulchem in Ezra's times. So if that's the case, says Rab Chaim, that also includes the Bate Arechoma, because as we saw there on the Yovel track, they follow the status of Yovel. So since Ezra's sanctification was lacking with regards to Yovel and it needs to be completed by Mashiach. So in the same way, the Bate Arechoma were not fully sanctified in Ezra's times and they need to be completed with Mashiach, even the areas which Ezra did sanctify. So that's why the Rambam rules as a blanket halacha that Mashiach is going to have to sanctify the Bate Arechoma, even though in the halacha right before this, he said that Ezra's sanctification is for all time. But even though Ezra accomplished a lot with his sanctification, but the Bate Arechoma were one of those mitzvahs that did not have full sanctification. They do need Bias Kulchem, which was missing in the second sanctification. So when Mashiach comes and sanctifies the land with everyone, he's going to complete the Bate Arechoma as part of the context of completing the full status of the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. So that's why it's not just a standalone sanctification 
of the Bate Arechoma in a vacuum, which would not work, as Rab Chaim said, but it's part of the overall context of bringing Eretz Yisrael up to the full Kedusha and filling in some of the gaps from Ezra's sanctification. So Rab Chaim is developing a subtle balance between Ezra's sanctification, which is eternal, and it was certainly a valid sanctification, but there's also a need for Mashiach to fill in certain gaps, and as part of that, he explains the Rambam's ruling with regards to Bate Arechoma. Now, what does the Raivid hold? Because he disagrees and holds that whatever Ezra sanctified does not need to be re-sanctified by Mashiach. So Rab Chaim points out that this is going to work out very nicely because the Raivid himself in Hilchus Trumos Parak Aleph disagrees with the whole premise of the Rambam that Trumos requires Bias Kulchem. He holds that that is a halacha which only applies to Chala, as the Gemara applies it. There's no expansion of that halacha to Trumos. So if that's the case, then according to the Raivid, it also doesn't apply to Shemitah and Yovel. So Shemitah and Yovel and Trumos are all on a different track, where Ezra's sanctification was a full sanctification, even though it was with the minority of the Jewish people, because the only halacha of a majority of the Jews that the Raivid knows of with regards to Shemitah and Yovel is that at the year itself of Shemitah and Yovel, there needs to currently be a majority of the Jews living there. But as Rab Chaim said, that doesn't affect the status of the land. That's a technicality in the mitzvah of Shemitah and Yovel. So according to the Raivid, even though Ezra came without a majority of the Jews, the land was fully sanctified. They didn't have to keep Yovel during the second base Hamikdash because there were not currently a majority of the Jews residing in Israel, but that didn't affect in any way the status of the land. So once you say that the land was totally sanctified with regards to all mitzvos, even if some of them technically didn't apply, so then it follows that the Bate Arechoma were also totally sanctified, and Mashiach does not need to re-sanctify anything that Ezra captured. He only sanctifies the parts of Israel that he captures over and above what Ezra captured. So that's why the Ravid says he doesn't understand why, according to the Rambam, Mashiach would be sanctifying things which Ezra already sanctified. The Rambam, on the other hand, as we said, holds that there was something missing in the status of Eretz Yisrael with regards to certain mitzvahs, including Bate Arechoma, and both Mashiach's sanctification working together with Ezra's sanctification are needed to get everything fully there. So that's why Mashiach is re-sanctifying areas which Ezra had previously sanctified. Now, in the third paragraph, Rab Chaim's going to use some of these ideas, and he's going to explain another debate between the Rambam and the Ravid, which is the debate that he focused on in the previous piece. But he's going to go now in a different direction and offer another approach to explain what they're arguing about. So he begins with the Gemara in Erchen, which we've referenced a number of times. The Gemara in full says that there is a parallel between the conquering of Ezra and the conquering of Yehoshua. Just like in the days of Yehoshua they were obligated in Shemitah and Yovel, so too in the days of Ezra they were obligated in Shemitah and Yovel. So the Gemara asks the question that Rab Chaim's been building on in this and the previous piece. It says there was no majority of Jews in the days of Ezra, because even when the two and a half tribes were exiled during the period of the first First Beis HaMikdash, they stopped keeping Yovel because there were Jews who were in exile. 
So the similar halacha to not keeping Yovel when some of the Jews are exiled is if they're missing a majority of the Jews, not from exile, but just the Jews didn't return, which was the case in the times of Ezra, similar to our times when people could move, but only a minority went. So when Ezra went back, the Navi says that only 42,360 Jews came with him, which was not a majority. So why would they have kept Shemitah and Yovel when there was only a minority of the Jews living there? So the Gemara answers, as we've seen, Manu Yovlos Likadesh Shmitan. They counted the Yovel cycle in order to keep the Shmita cycle on the proper years. So Rab Chaim wonders is this halacha of counting the Yovel purely for the sake of the Shmita cycle a Deoraisa or a Durabanan? So Rab Chaim argues that this issue is going to depend on the whole approach he's been developing in this piece. Because he says on a surface level, it seems to be that this should be a halacha Deoraisa. There's an important debate between Rebbe and the Rabbanan, which played a major role in the previous piece, over whether we learn out the laws of Shemitah from Yovel. Yovel requires a majority of the Jews, but according to the Rabbanan, Shemitah does not require a majority of the Jews. Even a minority have to keep Shemitah. So in the days of Ezra, Shemitah was a deoraisa, even though they only had a minority, which means keeping the proper count of Shemitah years was also deoraisa. So counting the Yovel year in order to push off the Shemitah cycle by one year and keep it on track was also a Deoraisa. So even though the laws of Yovel didn't apply because they were missing a majority of the Jews, but the Yovel year itself, as it relates to the overall Shemitah cycle counting, was a Deoraisa. So that's according to the Rabbanan. But even according to Rebbe, who disagrees with them, and he does learn out the laws of Shemitah from Yovel. So Shemitah, like Yovel, also requires a majority of the Jews. So in the days of Ezra, they were not obligated to keep Shemitah Mida Oraisa, because they only had a minority. But Rebbe also agrees that there are practical ramifications for the Shemitah cycle count, like with regards to the mitzvah of Meiser. Meiser Ani you do in years three and six of the Shemitah cycle, and Meiser Sheni in the other years. So for the Meiser, it's important to have an accurate Shemitah cycle. So even according to Rebbe, it seems that counting the Yovel year in order to align the Shemitah count would also be a Doraisa. So at first glance, says Rab Chaim, certainly according to the Rabbanan, but even according to Rebbe, this halacha of counting the Yovel year to align the Shemitah count would be a Doraisa. But says Rab Chaim, that's not going to work according to the approach he's been developing. Because that only works if we say that missing a majority of the Jews is a technicality in why the Yovel laws don't kick in. But Rab Chaim's been saying there's actually two concepts in Halacha. One is Kol Yoshvea Aleha, that you currently need a majority of the Jews, and that's a technicality in the laws of Yovel and maybe the laws of Shemitah. But then there's another concept of Bias Kulchem, that the land needs to be sanctified through a majority, and that affects the very status of the land. Now, in the times of Ezra, they were missing both of these concepts. And since the land had never been sanctified in the second day Samikdash by a majority, so not only did the laws of Yovel not apply, but it wasn't even considered Eretz Yisrael with regards to the mitzvah of Yovel. So then it's clear that not only do the laws of Yovel not apply, but the whole count of Yovel is impossible. You can't start counting Yovel if you're not in Eretz Yisrael. It's clear that the halachas of Yovel, which include the count, can only be performed with Kedushas Eretz Yisrael. 
So according to the idea that Rab Chaim's developed, that Eretz Yisrael during the time of the second Beis HaMikdash was missing in the status of Kedusha with regards to the mitzvah of Truma and Meiser and Shemitah and Yovel. So then it's clear that the halacha of counting the Yovel cycle in order to align the Shemitah years is only Midra Banan. First of all, because there can't be a concept of a Yovel year Mida Oraisa since the land is not sanctified for that mitzvah. And second of all, you don't even need to align the Shemitah cycle Mida Oraisa for the mitzvahs of Truma and Meiser because all of those mitzvahs are all Drabanan. So it's clear that the whole concept would have been a Drabanan. So now Rab Chaim brings this back to the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid that he's been analyzing. And he says that the halacha of Manu Yovlos Lekadesh Shemitin, that they counted Yovel during the second Beis HaMikdash in order to align the Shemitah cycle, whether that's a Deoraisa or a Drabanan, is going to be a debate between the Rambam and the Raivid. The Rambam who holds that there are two requirements in order to be obligated in Shemitah and Yovel. Both Kol Yosheveha Aleha, a majority currently there, and Bias Kulchem, to have been sanctified by a majority. So he is going to hold, like Rab Chaim said, that the land was missing the status of sanctity with regards to Truma, Meiser, Shemitah, and Yovel. So the whole concept of Manu Yovlos counting the Yovel in the second base Hamikdash was only Drabanan. But the Raivid, as Rab Chaim said, only has one concept, the one that's explicit in the Gemara of Kol Yosheveha Aleha, that you require a majority of the Jews currently in Israel. But the Raivid holds that there is no requirement of Bias Kulchem to have been sanctified by a majority for the mitzvah of Yovel. So according to the Raivid, all that was missing in the second Beis HaMikdash was the technicality that they didn't currently have a majority of the Jews. So that just means that the laws of Yovel didn't kick in. But there was no more fundamental problem with the status of the land itself. So that means that the mitzvahs of Truma and Meiser would have kicked in Mida Oraisa. And it also means that they could have counted the Yovel and called it a Yovel year, Mida Oraisa. Even though the halachas of Yovel wouldn't kick in because they're missing a majority. But it was a De Oraisa count of Yovel and then a Yovel year with regards to the Shemitah cycle. So according to Rab Chaim's analysis, the Rambam and the Raivid are now going to dispute whether counting Yovel during the second Beis HaMikdash was a Deoraisa or a Drabana. So now says Rab Chaim that using this, maybe we could explain another debate between the Rambam and the Raivid back in chapter 10. And this was the debate that the last piece discussed at great length. But now Rab Chaim offers another interpretation of that debate. The Rambam said that the Yovel year is the 50th year of the cycle, meaning it doesn't count towards the upcoming Shemitah, but it's a break in the Shemitah cycle, and the next Shemitah picks up the year after that. So it's a 50-year cycle. But then the Rambam quoted that the Geonim hold that that's only in the second Beis HaMikdash time, but post the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash, the Yovel year ceases to count, and it becomes a 49-year cycle. So according to the Geonim, there's a distinction during the second Beis HaMikdash, you 
you count a 50-year cycle. After that, in our times, you'd count a 49-year cycle. And the Rambam says that we should rely on their tradition. The Raivid disagrees with the Rambam, and he says there's no way to differentiate between during the times of the Beis HaMikdash and after. So if you count a 50-year cycle during the times of the Beis HaMikdash, then for all time, even after it's destroyed, it would always be a 50-year cycle. So Rab Chaim proposes that this is the Rambam and the Raivid Lishitasam. The Raivid who holds that the Yovel count during the second Beis HaMikdash was the Oraisa. So he maintains that nothing changed after the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because the second sanctification was eternal. So once we see that they counted Yovel Mida Oraisa during the period of the second Beis HaMikdash, even once it was destroyed, nothing can change and we should still count the Yovel year as a separate year and then start the next Shemitah cycle the year after that. The Rambam, on the other hand, holds that the whole Yovel count during the second Beis HaMikdash was only Durabanan. It never got started on a Da'oraisa level. So according to the Rambam, one could say that the rabbis instituted counting Yovel during the second Beis HaMikdash, but once it was destroyed, they never instituted continuing the Yovel count. If it was a Da'oraisa mitzvah, then obviously the rabbis weren't going to cancel it. But if it was their own rabbinic mitzvah, then they could decide not to renew it after the destruction. Says Rab Chaim, this would also explain why the Rambam talks about renewing the Shemitah and Yovel count in the times of Mashiach, in the third conquering. So this again fits in with the Rambam's approach that Mashiach's conquering is going to fill in the gaps of Ezra's conquering. So that's why the Shemitah and Yovel count needs to begin anew, because the count that was going on in Ezra's times is not sufficient for when Mashiach conquers the land with the majority of the Jews. So now the land is sanctified with regards to the mitzvah of Shemitah and Yovel, and the count has to start again. As opposed to the Ravid, who holds that Ezra fully sanctified the land, just the mitzvah of Yovel didn't kick in for technical reasons, but there was no inherent problem with the Yovel count going on during the second Beis HaMikdash, so that count is going to continue for all time through Mashiach's times. There's no need to start any new count. Just like according to the Ravid, Mashiach doesn't need to re-sanctify the parts Ezra sanctified, so he also doesn't need to restart the Yovel count that Ezra already began. But Rab Chaim points out there's a problem because the Ravid only questions the Rambam's ruling that Mashiach needs to re-sanctify the walled cities. He said nothing about the Rambam saying that he needs to restart the Shemitah and Yovel count. So according to Rab Chaim's reading, the Ravid should disagree not only with the sanctifying walled cities line, but also with the line that he restarts counting the Shemitah and Yovel. The Ravid should have said, why does he need to restart counting the Shemitah and Yovel? And this isn't just a question from omission, meaning why didn't the Ravid question something that he disagrees with the Rambam about? Rab Chaim does use that methodology, even though some people would say the Ravid doesn't necessarily question every single thing he disagrees with the Rambam about. But Rab Chaim seems to think that he does. But this is more problematic because the Ravid did question part of the Rambam. So why would he neglect a halacha five words earlier with which he also disagrees? So this shows that the Ravid seems to agree that Mashiach is is going to restart the Shemitah and Yovel count. So if the Ravid also agrees that the Yovel count during exile, meaning in our times, doesn't count
down towards the eventual Yovel cycle, which will begin with Mashiach. So then Rab Chaim has another way to formulate the debate between the Ravid and the Gaonim. And he says that the Ravid holds that we have to continue counting Yovel nowadays, even though it doesn't count for the Yovel cycle. Mashiach's going to have to restart it because any Yovel counting in the exile doesn't actually count towards the mitzvah of Yovel. So why does the Ravid insist that we continue counting the Yovel year as a separate year and push off the Shemitah cycle? For the sake of the Shemitah cycle. We do need to count the Shemitah cycle accurately even in exile. So according to the Ravid, that includes counting the Yovel year. So that's how the Rive is going to balance that we continue counting the Yovel year, even though it doesn't actually count for Yovel, but it helps keep the Shemitah cycle properly aligned. On the other hand, the Geonim hold that if the Yovel count is not counting for the mitzvah of Yovel itself, so then we don't keep it counting only in order to push off the Shemitah cycle. The only time the Yovel year could serve as an independent year, which pushes off the Shemitah count, is when the mitzvah of Yovel is part of the overall equation. But once there's no mitzvah of Yovel, so then to only count it as a year with regards to Shemitah doesn't fly according to the Gaonim. So that's why they hold that nowadays we just drop the whole Yovel year and we only count the 49-year Shemitah cycle. So now according to this new formulation that Rab Chaim's explaining the Gaonim, there's no need to say that the Gaonim held that counting Yovel during the second Beis HaMikdash was only draw banan. Because even if they held that counting Yovel during the second Beis HaMikdash was Oraisa, but as we said, everyone agrees once the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed and the Jews were exiled, that Yovel count is not going to continue when Mashiach restarts the count. So the Gaonim hold that if the Yovel count is not part of the mitzvah of Yovel in the future, then it gets dropped right now. But that has nothing to do with whether the counting was Doraisa or Drabanan in the second Beis Hamikdash. Even if it was a Doraisa, they would say that we should drop it in exile. So this debate between the Raivet and the Gaonim does not center on the issue of whether counting during the second Beis HaMikdash was the Raisa or Drabana. But says Rab Chaim, it still could be in the Rambam that these issues are dependent on each other. Because the Rambam might mix and match some of the ideas we just said in the Ravid and the Gaonim. He might hold like the Ravid that we should continue counting Yovel even when it doesn't count towards the mitzvah of Yovel. So that's why according to the Rambam, theoretically we should continue counting Yovel even in the exile. But the reason why he ends up agreeing with the Gaonim is different than their own reason. Meaning he has the same practical conclusion but for a different reason which is because since the counting of the Yovel was only Jurabanan in the second Beis HaMikdash. So according to the Rambam, once the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, the rabbis did not renew the mitzvah of counting Yovel. And then at the end, Rab Chaim throws in two other brief explanations to explain the Ravid. One is based on the tradition that in the times of Mashiach, Israel is going to get much bigger. They're going to include the land of the Kani, Knizi, and Kadmoni, and other areas. So Mashiach's conquering is going to be much larger than Ezra ever conquered. So according to the Ravid, once you're expanding the territory of Israel so much, that's going to change where people are living in Israel. So that resets the entire 
conquering of Israel, and that's why they need to restart the counting of the Yovel. So even though the Ravid is a firm believer that Mashiach doesn't need to re-sanctify any land that was previously sanctified by Ezra, and he sticks to his guns on that, but he does make an exception for restarting the Shemitah and Yovel count because there's so much more territory, so it's as if it's a new conquering and they need to restart the counting of the Shemitah and the Yovel. And then finally, Rab Chaim points to one last explanation in the Ravid, and he references his previous piece, where he discussed the idea that maybe the counting and the sanctification of Yovel by the high court is a prerequisite for the mitzvah of Yovel. And in the absence of that, there cannot be a Yovel. So that would explain why, according to the Raivid, we need to restart the count of Yovel once Mashiach comes, because since we've been missing the court and we haven't been able to count or sanctify Yovel all these years in exile, so once Mashiach comes and reestablishes that, then we need to start a new count. Although ironically, in the previous piece, Rab Chaim argued at length that the Ravid does not hold of that approach. But he's just saying that that's a potential way to explain the Ravid, why there needs to be a new counting in the times of Mashiach, even if he doesn't need to re-sanctify any of the land that Ezra sanctified. So this is Rab Chaim's piece. The main conceptual idea that he's developing is this massive Chiddush that the Rambam holds that the Halacha of Bias Kulchem, that a majority of the Jews have to sanctify the land, applies not only to Chala, but also to Truma and Meiser and Shemitah and Yovel. And this is different, according to Rab Chaim, from the well-established Halacha that Yovel requires Kol Yoshveha Aleha, which means a majority of the Jews currently living there. But according to Rab Chaim, this Bias Kulchem is a distinct concept, and it affects not only whether the laws of Yovel will kick in, but also the very status of Eretz Yisrael, and whether it's sanctified with regards to the mitzvah of Shemitah, Yovel, Truma, and Meister. So this is a very big chiddish that Rab Chaim builds up from the words of the Rambam, and the Ravid disagrees with this. He doesn't have any of these chidushim with regards to Shemitah, Yovel, Truma, and Meister. He doesn't know about Bias Kulchem. He only knows about Kol Yoshveha Aleha with regards to Shemitah and Yovel. And that's not going to affect the status of the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. So there's a very big difference between the Rambam and the Ravid on this topic. And Rab Chaim does a masterful job of finding at least two different debates between the Rambam and the Ravid, and three or four potential debates which are all going to hinge on this issue. So as I mentioned, the kernel of these ideas, Rab Chaim also discussed in the first piece in Hilchus Trumos, and we're going to devote the next recording as a supplement to go more in depth to Rab Chaim's whole discussion on this topic.